Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Good morning. Great to see everybody. Hope you had fun. Who loved the storm last night? Who? Yeah, I was like, I wish it was during the day, but then I liked the lightning. I'm like, well, that's pretty awesome. I'm like, but we needed the rain. We needed it bad. Hey, welcome. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Samuel, and there you are. I was looking for you. I'm like, I don't know where he is. Okay, so every single service that Eric's here, every time they're in the meet and greet, he's like, hey, and I'm looking in the back. I'm like, he's not here, but he's up front. It just, it just blows. He doesn't normally sit there. How many of you have your spot that you sit in? You're like, this is, yeah, yeah. Well, Eric's is always back there or there, and he's somewhere he isn't supposed to be. I was like, I don't, this is weird. This, I, my, my brain is just like flipped right now. It's just, well, we'll, we'll get there. But these things get to, those things don't get to you. But with God, I can get through this, and so we'll, we'll keep going. We will keep going. I have no idea what I was talking about, but welcome to Life West Church. We'll, we'll go with that, and I'm really glad that you're here. We're, in, we're actually going to start a series this morning called Upside Down. Upside Down. And I'm, it's called that because of something that says in Acts 17. In Acts 17, a group of Christians come to this, this city, Thessalonica. And not everybody's happy about it. In fact, some people that aren't happy about it drag these Christians to court, and they're like, look, and this is what they say about this. It says, those that have turned the world upside down have come here too. And when you think about Christians, how many of you think of like, they turn the world upside down? You're like, no. You know, you're kind of like, sometimes when you and I think about Christians... We can even wonder, like, is somebody? Like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. I mean, they're American. Go America. But, like, it, like are they? I, I, it, it, it's a question. But it, the way that you and I are meant to live as Christians, it turns the world upside down. It's completely different. It's totally different. And in one of those areas is the area that we're supposed to do completely different than everybody else is the area of fear. Now, who's ever been like really, really afraid? Raise your hand. Could have been as a kid, could have been like this morning, last night during the storm, but you're like, I've, I've been really, really afraid. Raise it high. Let me see. Let me see. Okay. Okay. That, that, that's, that's most of you. The most afraid I have ever been was as a little kid, um, my room was in the basement and my mom used to wake me up in the morning pounding on the floor in the kitchen above me, and it drove me nuts. It's like the, the, the worst way to wake up. So I took an old um, cassette case, just a single cassette case, and I put a 9-volt battery in it, and then just screwed a little string into the side, a little spring, and, and I made a, a buzzer. It was a high-pitched buzzer, buzzer, and I just fed it through the, a hole underneath the sink into my room. So if my mom needed me, instead of pounding on the floor, which drove me nuts, she could just flip down the drawer right by the sink and then just touch the little spring to the screw and it would go beep, beep in my room. And for some reason, I thought that was better. <laughs> so, so I would wake up to that. And one night, I'm asleep and I don't know what happens, but I wake up and just like all around, I just hear this, this crazy high-pitched noise. And I'm, it, it, it's pitch black, and I get up, and I'm like, 
what is going on, and I don't know why, but I don't hit any lights, and I come out, and I look around, and I can't, I'm like, I don't see anybody. I don't go to my parents' room, because they were in there, but for some reason, I can still hear this, 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 this noise just as loud upstairs as I could downstairs, and I get this panic feeling. I'm like, oh, I missed the rapture. Like, I absolutely freak out. Maybe that's a pastor's kid thing. Maybe you've had that. Maybe you haven't. But I'm like, I missed the rapture. Like, my parents are gone. And, and the noise is just everywhere. And I'm like, what is going on? And I go over to their room and I open the door and I don't see anything. And I'm just sure they're gone. I'm just sure that everybody is gone. And so I go back outside, and I'm like, well, well, is it too late? Like, can I still ask for forgiveness? Like, what happens then? Is it the tribulation? Am I already in the tribulation? And I don't remember. I remember all of these things that I, like, I heard my dad say and these, these, these teachings that he would listen to, and all these thoughts are going through my mind. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is it? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, that stupid buzzer, that buzzer that I installed, what happened was the... The buzzer was in a drawer right by the sink, and the, to get more space and to have more drawers, there was like a little half drawer that would tip out right by the sink, and it was made of metal, and somehow that little thing in there had in the night tipped over, and the two contacts had touched the metal shelf, and so my little wake-up buzzer that my mom just normally goes bzz, bzz, with was just downstairs in my room going beep at some haunting tone that just drove me nuts. When I figured that out, I was just like, ah, ah, ah. I, was, I was so excited, and I went back to bed. But man, for just a little bit, that, that is by far the most afraid I have ever been. But fear can make us do some really weird things. My parents were in the room the whole time. I never went in. I opened the door, but I never went in because I was sure I missed the rapture. Like, I was sure of it. I was like, it doesn't make a difference. They're gone. I knew what had happened. Fear told me. I missed the rapture. Now, maybe you haven't had that before. But fear is a horrible place to make a decision from. We don't make good decisions from fear. When God shows up, he brings peace, not fear. He says, peace I give you, and not as the world gives. He, he shows up. And he brings peace. He brings purpose. He doesn't bring fear. When we make decisions in fear, they don't lead us to God. They don't lead us to God. The world does fear a little bit different. If I didn't know better, I would think that the world, that, that fear makes the world go around because fear is a number one motivator. Like, you don't have to look very hard at all to open the news and it's like, hey, guess what? End of the world this and this is going to wreck your retirement and this bad thing's going to happen here and there's a new pox coming and it's going to be this. and it's, it's fear, 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 fear. That's the motivator. It's fear. There's so much of it. But you and I are not meant to live that way. We're not meant to live that way. I was looking up um, phobias. 
just for fun. I was looking up phobias, and I'm like, I wonder how many there are. And I found this huge list. And I'm like, okay, do I have to count them, or do they have them numbered for me? And they didn't. And I was like, whoever wrote this list, if you ever make a list, put a number at the bottom. Like, there should be a number. There wasn't. So I'm like, I got to count these. And I look at the very bottom of the list, and it says this. And it says, it would be impossible for us to list all the phobias. And I'm like, how many are there? So I got a couple that I'll share with you. We got one of them, megalophobia, fear of large things. Barophobia, and I'm probably totally mispronouncing all of these, and if I am, please send an email to I don't care at lifewest.church. <laughs> I'm sorry, it, just, it doesn't matter. But then another one is categolophobia, fear of being ridiculed, and one that I was like, come on. Like, does somebody have a job of like making and like naming the phobias? Because this one, ready? I'm gonna, if you think I slaughtered the others, <laughs> you know, brace yourself. Hippo, okay, hippoponomoteresiaqualidiliophobia, fear of large words. I'm like, really? You picked the largest one to describe that. Oh my goodness, someone's just like being mean with that one. They were, they were, they were just being mean. But over and over and over, our world operates from fear. It's I'm afraid of this so I'm not going to. I'm afraid of this, so I am going to. But there's a theme when it comes to fear in the Bible. And you're probably going to see it pretty quick. I'm going to jump around quite a bit, but go ahead and write these down if you want to find these later. And it's Luke 12, 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isaiah 43, 5. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. When an angel shows up to visit a young girl named Mary... Luke 1.30, what does the angel say? Do not be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. When Zechariah the priest is in the Holy of Holies and he's, an angel shows up, what does the angel say? It says, the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for God has heard your prayer. When Daniel has a vision and he's seen angels and their wings and faces and, and, and they're, they're flying and he's seen all of this stuff, what does an angel tell him? The angel tells him in Daniel 12, 10, 12, it says, then the angel said, do not be afraid. When Jesus is walking on the water and his disciples are in a boat and he's about to pass them by, but it's the disciples, it's the middle of the night and they see Jesus walking on the water and they get freaked out. I mean, as cool as it would be, I think I might get a little freaked out. What does Jesus say to them? He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. In Revelation, when, when John is on the Isle of Patmos, he's, he's in prison, and he, he has a vision of Jesus and what he looks like. What does God say to him? What does Jesus say? He says, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. It's Revelations 1.17. Over and over, what we see in Scripture is simply this. Don't be afraid. We are not to live in, fraid, in fear. We're not to live there. Decisions made in fear, they lead to compromise. It's we get, mm, I don't know about this. Well, I'm so afraid I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Well, God might not answer my prayer. My kid might not make the team. So we compromise. We say, well, I won't even pray because what if? Why well, even try because if it doesn't work? Fear leads to compromise. So that's it. Simply don't fear. There we go. 
We're all silent. Not quite. Not quite. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about fear, three types of fear, and how we overcome those fears. Number one, we're all born with like, each of us, we have two fears when we're born. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. You take a little baby, and if you like pretend drop them just, just like a little bit, they'll freak out. I don't know if you've ever done that. Maybe I have, and maybe I have not done that with all five of my kids. I don't know. I won't say. But they all freak out because the fear of falling is in us. Loud noises, it's there. But after that, it's learned. We learn. And some of it, it makes sense. I remember when Avery was really little, we went and visited our, uh, her, her grandparents, and they had a three-sided fire gas fireplace. And so it's all glass around it. We told Avery, we're like, don't touch it. And she's like, okay. So guess what she does? Fire's going on there and she touches it. And like you could, I swear I could smell the burned flesh. Like she burned it so bad. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And oh, she fried her little hand. And they're so little. And you're just like, oh, and you want to do whatever you can. And you can't do anything. You're like, here we go. Except banana, banana peel. I don't know if you've ever been burned, but here. Banana peel is amazing for burns, just so you know, just so you know, just totally for free, just threw that one in there for you. So we put banana peel on it, but you want to know what happened after that? She didn't want to touch that fire. She learned a respect for that fire, a little bit afraid of it, like she didn't even want to go near it, like you're holding her and walking by the fireplace and she's crawling around to the other side of you, you're like, hold on, it's okay, I've got you. She had a res- she learned to be afraid of the fire. So some things we learn. And some of them we learn them and it's good that we learn them. Fire's not good. Like, you, you, you need to learn. You need to learn that. It, it, it can be dangerous. We need to have a healthy respect for water and just the power that water can have. It's, it's crazy. We were on our honeymoon and um, we were in West Virginia and we were just messing around, and we drove down by the, the Red River Gorge runs through there, and the river, and we we're messing around, and Beck's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to float down this part of the river. I'm like, go ahead, do it. This will be great. And so she, she starts to walk out in the current, and then there's these big rocks, and you could see where the water came together, and she was going to float down it. And I was like, I'll get the video of it. This will be great. And so she's going out in the water. But the farther out she gets, the more afraid she gets. But the farther out she gets, the stronger and the deeper the current is. And she's like, I, she's like, I can't move. I can't come back. She's like, if I, if I, if I lift up my foot, I'm going to go. I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, then you just got to go. Like, if you can't make it, you don't want to hit one of the rocks. Like, commit. Like, go. Like, go, go. And she's like, I don't know. And, and she's kind of panicking. And I have no fear of water. And I'm not panicking. And I'm like, you'll be fine. This will be great. Like, woo, honey, this is riot. Everything's awesome. And... And finally, she's like, ah, and so she goes. So she jumps kind of over towards the current and like, like, like towards it because the water's pulling her. And so she goes and she gets in the current and she goes down for a while, but she comes back up. She's here. So in case you're wondering, <laughs> she's, she is here. I did not have another wife named Becca before Becca. It's always been Becca and this is, this is my Becca. So she comes out and everything's great. I'm like, well, that was great. And she's like, I got a little afraid there. I'm like, you were fine. You were fine. Well, later we go whitewater rafting on the exact same river. And so, you know, they make you wear those awesome orange life jackets. Come on, who doesn't love those? And we've got a helmet on. And so we're rafting. And some of the times we jump out and other times, you know, we come in and, and uh, 
So we had a guide in the boat with us, and he'd tell us when we could, when we could come out and when it was safe and not. So we, we come up on this one spot, and we're like, well, can we jump out here? And he looks over at us, and he goes, no, you can't come out here. You don't float through class four rapids. And Beck looks over, and she goes, I did yesterday. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. There's hydraulic, and he's like, this is how it works, and you go down, you won't come back up, and the chance of it, even with a life jacket, he goes, you don't float through that. And we're just like, hmm, we did. She did. I didn't. I said we, but it was her. But there's a healthy fear of certain things that we, that we need to have, that we need to have. But then there's another type of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. There can be a spirit of fear. Now, this is somebody who is, they make all of their decisions from it. They are constantly afraid, and it, it, it grips, it cripples, it stops them. They don't enjoy things that they should enjoy. They don't enjoy aspects of because they're so afraid. You're riding your bike, you could fall and die, so they can't enjoy you riding your bike. They can't enjoy the sunset. It, 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 it could be bad, and don't look at the sun, and it's pretty, but don't look at it. They can always find something. They're gripped with fear. It's a spirit. There is a spirit of fear. Now, when I mention the spirit of fear, there's, there's a certain group of Christians that are like, well, I don't have to worry about that because I'm a Christian. And I, I, I can't be influenced by that because I am a Christian. But let me ask you this. By show of hands, can a Christian drink alcohol? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, yeah, I can make that choice. Can a Christian drink too much alcohol? Sure. Absolutely. Don't raise your, I'm not saying like you did. Less hands went up that time. They're like, da, da, da. I don't know what's, what's happening here. I'm not saying you did. Can a Christian, if a Christ follower, somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit, drinks too much alcohol, what would we call them? We would call them under the influence. They can be under the influence of alcohol. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but still under the influence of alcohol. There's drugs that we, that we subscribe and give people, and we're like, if you do this, you need to realize there's heavy machinery, there's cars that you shouldn't operate, you shouldn't drive. Why? Because you're under the influence of something. Let me just say this. You can be a born-again, spirit-filled, word-believing, faith-talking, armor-wearing, child of the king, and still be under the influence of a spirit as well. And I say that so that you will realize that we do still need to resist the devil and not just passively be like, well, no. I've heard people say things like, well, a glass can't be full of water and oil at the same time, so I can't be full of the Holy Spirit and be under the influence of... It's like, yes, you can. As a believer, you can. So we need to realize that because there is an answer that we actively resist the devil because he will flee. But there's a spirit of fear. And we need to realize it, and we need to resist it. And there's wisdom, and then there's fear. Because we already read, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. There's healthy fears. There's things that it's like, you know what? That's not a good idea. I love rock climbing, but you want to know what I do? I use a rope. I know people who don't, and they climb without it. 
I've watched them climb without it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but risk reward, it's not worth it. I'm like, uh, I want to go to heaven, but not yet. <laughs> like, like no, no, thank you. Absolutely not. Um, I've, I've got a little bit of just, just, just a fear of I, I don't want to die yet. So there is, and here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that as a believer that you should never have a check. We've been given a sound mind. I'm not saying that as a believer that you will never be like, you know what, I don't want to do that. I don't think that's safe. No, we've been given a sound mind, but we don't operate from a spirit of fear and we don't make decisions out of fear. We don't make decisions out of fear. The Bible says this, Matthew 10, 28, don't be afraid of those who want to kill the body. They cannot touch your soul. And here's what we should fear. Fear God. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The healthy fear that you and I are to have is a clear grasp of the fact that we're going to stand before God. We're going to stand before God one day. Sooner or later, every single one of us. Because guess what? You're going to die. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome to church. So encouraging, right? Like all of us. Like what? doesn't matter how healthy you are, you're going to die. You're, it's going to happen. Either Jesus is coming back or you're going to die. Every one of us. We're just, we're on that road and the road stops eventually. But what we need to realize, a healthy fear of the Lord is what happens when, this, when I hit the dead end of this road. When this road stops, what happens next? That's a healthy fear of the Lord is I'm going to stand before him. It says, fear the one who can what? Fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He's like, that's the one you need to watch out for. That's the one that we need to have that healthy respect of, a grasp that one day we're going to die. Or Jesus is going to come back. But either way, we're all going to stand before God one day. And what we want to hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant. What you don't want to hear is, well, <laughs> what have you done? No, well done is what we want to hear. Well done. We need to have a healthy fear of the Lord, of the fact that we're going to stand before him. And that he sees and knows everything. He sees and knows it all. Um, as a kid, my, my dad was a pastor, and very often we would have guest speakers. And every, every single time that we would have a prophet come, I would get scared. And for like the week before, I would be so good because I was so nervous that they were going to tell my dad all the bad things that I had done. And I was just like, oh, no, they're going to know things. And, and, and I'd hear stories, and I'm like, they're going to know what I did. They're going to know who I was with. They're going to know that I, I ate the cookies. They're going to know exactly what happened. They're going to know that I wasn't home when I said I was home. They're going to know how fast I drove the car, and I told them I didn't. They're going to know that I went off-road, and then I cleaned it really good, and the dad didn't realize it. They're going to they're know, and they're going to tell my dad. Like, this, this is what went through my mind. I knew that they were going to tell him because I knew that God knew. Not enough to not do it, but I knew that God knew 
And I was always like, oh. So my dad would be like, hey, come in and meet these guys. And I'm like, nope, don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. I don't want to shake their hands if it's by touch. Maybe that like does something. I got no idea. I did not want to. But I always would. I put on my face and just, hi, how you doing? None of them ever tattled on me. Ever. Ever. Totally, totally ungrounded fear. Just, I don't know where it came from. But for a week, it would change the way that I would live. We are supposed to, a healthy fear of the Lord is the fact that he is, he is the judge. And one day he's going to judge. And bring us into a sobering position to realize, God, I need your forgiveness. I want your forgiveness. I want what you have for me. That we ask for that forgiveness, we live it, and then do our best, knowing that we can't be perfect. His grace is sufficient. We know it. But to live that out. Let me talk about how we beat fear, how we don't live the same way that the world does, motivated, and how we make sure that we're not making decisions from fear. So here we go. The number one thing that we do is we renew our minds. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors, the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way that we think. We're not supposed to do it the same way that the world does. And we do that. How? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Change the way we think. And how do we do it? By renewing our minds with the word of God. It's time in God's word. Colossians 3.10 says it like this. And you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. So how is our mind renewed? In knowledge, according to the image of him who created us. It's what we know. We need to know God's word so that we can renew our mind. We need to know God's word. John 8.31 says this. Jesus said to all the people who believe in him, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's another way of saying that. Only the truth you know will set you free. What you don't know can hurt you. Only the truth you know can set you free because it says here, you will know the truth and then it will set you free. We need to renew our minds by spending time in God's word. We need to be spending time in God's word. And then as a result of that, we set our minds where they need to be. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We set our mind on things above. Now, I can't stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can stop it from making a nest in my hair. That's easy. You might not be able to, to stop every thought that flies through your mind, but you decide what you're going to dwell on. You decide what you're going to dwell on. Bell says, set your mind on things above, and you're like, well, I don't get to set my mind. No, if God asked you to do it, he will equip you through it and in it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He doesn't ask you to do something like, they can't do this, watch. <laughs> he doesn't do that. So if he says, set your mind on things above, then you can. You can do that. Philippians 4, 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. You, it says, fix your thoughts. He doesn't say, I will. This, this is for you and I to do. And we're like, again, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He says, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think 
about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Can I just say garbage in, garbage out? You cannot be putting trash in and expect great things out. It's not going to happen. So I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what you're listening to. I don't know what you're reading, consuming, but trash in, trash out. Just plain and simple. You don't go to a fine restaurant and see a garbage truck pull up and dump its load right there and then go, mm, this is going to be great. We're going to serve all of this. You never see that. It goes to the dump because that's where it belongs. And garbage in, garbage out. We have to be careful what it is that we are putting in. We have to be so careful what it is that we're putting in. And let me just say, parents, you have to be so careful. It's a full-time job now. Just making sure that our kids and what is getting put in to them. Because I'm telling you right now, there is a spiritual battle for the mind and the soul of the children in America. There 100% is. And the world is trying, the devil is trying to expose our children as young of age as possible to things that they shouldn't have. He's trying to awaken lust in children by exposing them to, to, to pictures, to images, to thoughts that they shouldn't be having yet. And they want... Again, it's to expose them to lust because here's what lust is. Lust is unsatisfiable. Lust is a desire that is never, ever satisfied. The devil cannot create. He is an imitator. God made love. The, devil, the devil's imitation is lust. And lust is never satisfied. There's a story about it in 2 Samuel 13 that illustrates what this is. In 2 Samuel 13, Amon, the Bible says, lusts after his sister. We say gross. Come on. To the point, the Bible says, that he makes himself sick. He's, 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 he's physically sick because he's drawn to her so much. It's lust. So he arranges it where he's going to be alone with her, takes advantage of her, gets the thing that he wants, and as soon as he does, guess what? He gets what he wants. Is he satisfied? No. The Bible says the next thing he does is he hates her with a hatred more than he had loved her, more than he had longed for her, and just sends her away. That's lust. That's what lust is. And the world is trying to awaken lust in our children. Get them to have a desire that is unsatisfiable, and then they're going to say, we're the only place that you can have these desires met is in the world. We'll let you do the crazy, wild things that you want to do. The church, God won't. That is what the devil, there is a battle for it. We as parents, you, you, got, your, you got a lot of work cut out for you. Guard your children as well. The number of shows that try to sneak things in, the advertisements that are in the shows where they're, tar they're targeting children, be careful. And let me just say, it is okay to not let your kids watch, see, participate in things that every other kid does. Let me give you permission to be the parent that's like, we just don't do that. We just don't do it. 
Because garbage in, garbage is going to come out. They don't have the filters to know yet. There's so much information, but they don't know what to do with it. Be the parent that stands up to family if you need to, relatives. Just be like, no, we don't show that here. We don't do that here. Stand up for your kids and be the, protect their innocence for as long as you can. For as long, well, don't they need to know all this? No, the Bible says be innocent as, as, as doves. We, they can be. There is a battle for it. And what they want is they want to awaken lust. Lust is unsatisfiable. The world has completely stepped away from. But once you step into it, all you want is more and more and more and more and more. And we can see it over and over in history, what happens as a culture does this, and it does not end until they have legalized pedophilia. It gets worse, and then the culture itself just demolishes itself, and it falls. They're going to try that here. I guarantee it. I guarantee, that is where it is headed. That is, where, that is what lust does. It is never satisfied. Love is. Love is, God made love, marriage, and sex, and it's amazing in its place. Garbage in, garbage out. So how do we do it? Philippians 4, 6, if we're feeling anxious, if we've got that fear, we're like, well, what do I do with it? I'm making a decision. Am I making this in fear? What am I supposed to do? Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Start with that. You're like, I don't know what to do. Pray. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Pray. Say, God, I got this decision. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Is this you leading me not to do it or is it fear? Ever had that question before? You're like, is this a righteous, like, God, you're kind of like telling me I shouldn't do it? Like, is, or is this just fear? Is this, is, what is it? We pray. And then it says this, verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. If you didn't take any notes, write that one down. That's the take home right there. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious. Don't be fearful about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, asking God, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. That, that's the peace you have when the storm is going on around, but you're like, I'm still, I have peace. It's not situational. It's not because everything It's right. It's because, no, I know whose I am and I'm trusting in him and we're walking through it. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's both. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's we go to God in prayer. If you don't know, if you're having those decisions that I don't know what to do and, and the world is crazy and what do we do? We don't live in fear. We pray. We say, God, use me. Use me right where I am. I'm going to be a light. And he will. But we don't need to make decisions in fear. We make them because of the peace of God. Wait till you have peace. If you're married, your spouse, you've got a believing spouse, they are a lifesaver. You pray together. You come together. You say, you know, we're thinking this. Maybe it's a move. Maybe it's a stay. Maybe it's a shift. Maybe it's an investment. Maybe it's something you're about to do with the kids. Maybe it's just the vacation and you're not feeling right about it. And you're like, or, or do we do it? You, you come together and you say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And you pray together. You pray together. 
teens, kids, you pray. This works just as well for you. But let me remind you of this. That in the Bible, we see a young man pray to God. He's praying. And God answers his prayer through his mother. See a young man laying down by a, well, laying down by a tree to die. He prays, and the Bible says that God spoke to his parents. Maybe you don't want to hear it, but the, the answers you're looking for, ask your parents. As you pray, God speaks to them for you. He speaks to you, but he also speaks to your parents. Pray. We don't need to make decisions in fear, but let the peace of God it's not situational. When I hear that, I think of, I think of air chairing. We grew up on a lake, and if it was rough, you just didn't want to go out. Sometimes the wind would be blowing from one side or another, and you could go around, you could find the calm water. We'd go and look for it. But on those days where we couldn't find any, we got something called an air chair. And what it was, it was a little seat that you sat on. And then about three, four feet below it, it had a foil. And what you do is you'd, you'd get behind the boat and you start going. And at first, that skis on top of the water. The little thing that you're sitting on is just bam, bam, it's hard. But you just lean back just the slightest bit. And all of a sudden, the ski comes off of the water and you're actually riding on the foil below the surface, below the storm, below the waves. And I would love it. I didn't need to jump. I didn't need to do anything crazy. My favorite thing was to, on a windy day, to get on that because the water's all crazy and I would just sit on that and just calmer than the calmest calm because the foil was underneath all of it. When I read this, that's the picture that comes, that God puts in my heart every single time. The peace that passes all understanding that yeah, everything around is crazy. It might be, but he's like, I can be that rock. I'll be that thing that doesn't move and you can just right over top of it. That's where we're meant to live. That's the place that you and I are meant to be. Not making decisions from fear. We resist the devil. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. We actively pray. We submit to God and we resist the devil. And we resist the devil the same way that Jesus did. He showed us how. He showed us how we resist the devil. Over and over, when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, Satan came to him and said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus showed us what to do. And he said this, no, for it is written, man will not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He resisted the devil with scripture. He knew. Satan tried it again took him up to a high point, said, hey, throw yourself off of here. And now the devil knew some scripture. And he says, because it's written, he will command his angels concerning you that you will not strike your foot against the stone. He's like, do it. The angels will catch you. And Jesus said, no, for it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He used scripture. And that's how you and I resist the devil. When fear comes, no matter what it is, we stand on God's word. And we resist the devil. We tell him to go. We submit to God. We pray. And we tell him to go. And we know scripture. And we're like, no, I'm not going to do it. 
We resist him with things like Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We're like, no, I'm not going to fear this. I might be walking in it, but I'm not going to fear it. It might be happening around me, but I'm not going to hear it. Things like Psalm 91. Though a thousand may fall at my left hand, 10,000 at my right hand, it will not come near me. In my opinion, if there's a thousand and 10,000, anybody else think that's kind of close? I'm like, ah, no thank you. And God's like, no, 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 no. It might appear close, but it's not. Meditate on those. Meditate on those. Be like, no, God, this, this is it. I'm not going to live in fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. He doesn't lead you in fear. You're not meant to live in fear. And that spirit of fear, you can get rid of. He says, my peace I give you. That's what he has for you and for me. Would you bow your heads? Don't fall asleep. It's hot. <laughs> Come home. But here's what I want to do. I want to ask before we leave this morning, if you're here, if you're watching, you don't know where... You don't know where you were to go if you were to die. You don't know if your heart's right. You can know because Jesus came and he died to make a way for you and for me to pay a price that we couldn't pay so that you could be free, so that you could experience that peace that passes all understanding. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you. And when we say amen, you can know right where you stand with God. If that's you at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and right in your seat, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Here we go. One, two, three. Right now, if that's you, lift it up high and say, today is my day. Thank you. Anybody else? All right. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead us in this prayer, in this room, online, wherever you are. Let's just, just pray this out loud with those that lifted their hands. And as you, as you pray this, if you lifted your hand, make these words your own. And let's pray this together right now. Say, oh God, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. I will rule and reign. You will rule and reign in my life, in Jesus' name. Forgive me. I believe you died, that you shed your blood so I could be free. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.